Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me is The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe to the podcast on whichever device you use. I actually heard Brady Heslip, former marksman for Baylor University, subscribe, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feed is and shark at shark underscore ultra BB. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis in honoring the Memphis blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. You can try to just bring me down the same week that Tennessee gets ranked number one. You're going to do a low blow and throw Brady Heslip, who you know I hold dear to my heart. He's a former Boston College commit, my other school that I root for. He committed to BC. He would have been a great Boston College Eagle. But for whatever reason, he wanted to leave when Stevie Donahue took over. I, 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 for the life of me, I can't figure out that decision. But anyways, come on. That's a low blow. We should be celebrating me. We should be two-stepping right now. Tennessee's ranked number one, and you want to go in there and kind of cut me. We'll two-step. We'll two-step. In due time. In due time. In due time, we will two-step for Tennessee being ranked number one. But I feel like Baylor is getting overlooked after beating Texas Tech. Makai Mason. I can't believe he's still in college. We'll talk about that actually later in our interview with Riggs from Barstool. But – I got to give love to Baylor big time win at home on their, on their own court against a really good Texas tech team that actually might be down uh, in Manhattan, Kansas, but Brady Heslip, I actually have a contact in Waco. If you can believe it, my buddy, Corey, his last name's Boney, actually Corey Boney. And he has a YouTube channel called the Boney life. I suggest you all subscribe to it, but I asked him today, I said, look, I'm going to give Brady Heslip a really quick, Shout out here on the podcast. Do you have any nuggets on him? Any background information? First thing he tells me, he's an open mouth gum chewer. You can hear him smack his gum on the sidelines. So that's a terrible trait in a person. I'm actually kind of rethinking and doubting myself for having dropped Brady Heslop's name because 
I don't like mouth chewers, but Brady Heslip, Baylor Bear, former marksman. But real quick, uh, I want to I want to let everyone know that this is our time right now. We're in stride. College basketball's full swing. NFL season's coming to a close, which is essentially meaning that college basketball is about to take over in terms of popularity. But also, the Oscar nominees came out. <laughs> the legitimate theater is here. Vice, Green Book, Bohemian Rhapsody, Black Klansman. I'm sure I'm missing a few other nominations. But God damn it, I am thrilled that not only college basketball season is in full swing, award show season is as well. You forgot A Star is Born, too. That's the only movie I saw on that list. So, I mean, naturally, I want that one to win. And also because I like the song that they play. Tell me something, boy. You know, you know the one? I've never seen the film. Yeah, you know the song. Whatever. Yeah, I love award show, too. I got to really dive into the inventory right now. I haven't seen any of those other movies. I, I could easily see Vice. That, that's something that if you're, if you're a mainstream movie guy, you'd see that movie. I can't say the same about the, uh, you know, some of those other ones, but um, Vice, you can make that happen. I saw Bohemian Rhapsody. I still don't understand the love it's getting. It was good, but I'm also not a music guy, so I, I just did. I mean, it was a good. It was a good film. I was just really excited when they kept playing all the songs that I recognized, like "We Are the Champions." I thought that was probably the best part of the whole movie, but uh, I'm, I'm very limited in how I judge film. But uh, you got to talk to the barn chief. That that's the movie guy. That guy. That guy's a film guy. Could do that. Could definitely do that. But. Award show season, we love it, especially because whenever actors and actresses get up and give a speech, right and left wing Twitter just go berserk. And that's what we're here for. I'm not here for the actual uh, award show themselves. I actually have that on essentially as background noise while I just refresh Twitter, sit on my couch and and the thumbs going into overdrive because, you know, someone is going to say something that's going to piss off one side of the spectrum or the other. And that's what I can't wait for. I'm there for the in memoriams. I love in memoriam. There's always one or two where you just say to yourself, wait a minute, that guy died this year. Gosh, what a moment. Yeah. But let's talk about college basketball. Jeez. All right. Start, start us off with last week in Thede. All right. Last week in Thede. Um, I don't know. Maybe Tennessee became the number one team in the nation for the first time in over a decade and the second time in school history. How's that for Thede? Take that for Thede. David Fisdale. I mean, come on. What a moment. This team, and we we interview Barstool Riggs later on. I ask him a question related to this. This team, I even said it before the season, they don't have any top 100 recruits. They don't have any five stars. They are all self-made gym rats that play together as a cohesive unit, and they're the number one team in the nation despite all these flashy five-star recruits and all these exciting young players and all these transfer markets. These guys were all out of the same school, that same class coming together, the exception of a couple transfers here and there, and the age differences are off. But the main core, these guys were all recruited by Rick Barnes. Actually, Donnie Kendall, my boy, <laughs> might have been involved in uh, Admiral Schofield's recruiting. In fact, I think he was. And if, that mean, if Donnie Tindall was involved, then you're thinking – automatically big gulps involved. So we, we owe a lot to those guys. Um, but it, it really is just awesome to watch as a fan. You, you talk about basketball being this team sport and how exciting it is to see homegrown players work together for a common goal and be rewarded as number one. I don't know if they're going to stay number one the rest of the year. I, I, they could slip up. They have tough games, but the fact that they are just goes to show that, you know what? The one and done in culture and this, the NBA, and is college basketball great? Tennessee 2018-2019 volunteers are showing you that you can still build a program with homegrown guys that don't have to be you know, famous and uh, you know, well-known on the AAU circuit going into the season. It's awesome. What's Big Gulf's name again? I want everyone who's listening to this podcast to Google this guy because you need to see him. Justin Phelps, baby. Justin Phillips or Phelps? Phelps. Phelps. All right. Everyone go ahead and Google Justin Phelps. Uh, just an absurd looking human being. And I'm apparently integral to bringing in uh, the, the players that are actually converting now for Tennessee. But I will give uh, a big old hug to you 
I have a separate hug later in the segments uh, on this show, but I am happy for you and I'm happy for Tennessee. And you're right. Just think yeah. how far they have come. I'm, I'm sorry to keep going. It's impressive. Think how far. No, it's impressive. Think of Quanzo Martin years. We go and we lose in the Sweet 16 to Michigan. And Quanzo slithers out of Knoxville like the snake that he was. And we're it's rock bottom. So we bring in Donnie Buttermilk. We bring in Buttermilk. And you know what? He was a pretty damn good coach. I'll give him credit. There were some players on that team. Kevin Punter, Microwave Hunter. That guy was good. However, but come on, there, there's a reason why it all stemmed out of Southern Miss. It's not a big deal. And I'm pretty sure he has like a 40 year show cause penalty, which is just an insane penalty. Yeah. Uh, he's, he, uh, I mean, I love Donnie Tindall. I thought he was a great on on court coach X's and O's um, funny guy. Looked looked cool in a suit, but it didn't work out for whatever reason Then we bring in Rick Barnes, which a lot of people will, call the lame hire a boring hire you know a conservative hire and you know what we're fucking number one in a couple years afterwards so i will caution the fan base right now the last time they were number one you know who they played in their in the next game after they were number one father vandy vandy guess who we That's played on got, wednesday night you got vandy got vandy so here but enjoy the moment enjoy the moment yeah rick barnes what he's done has been absolutely tremendous i think everyone's realizing that here on the national stage i also want to point out the guys that you had mentioned that you had brought in and how they've transformed themselves over the course of four years you have those before and after pictures that you showed me one uh, in particular was admiral schofield and the thing i hate the most like it's just a before and after picture of when he got to campus and now he's just super shredded in the after picture. Yeah, but I didn't show you Grant. Yeah, look at Grant Williams' too. Because I saw him too. No, I saw it. It was top bottom. But the thing I hate the most about these before and after pictures of the athletes, it's like, fuck you. When you arrived on campus, you were still in really good shape. Now you're just in astronomically good shape. And so that, I mean, I, I, get, I get what we're going at, but it's, it's a real confidence breaker is what I'm about to tell you. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you ever want to feel bad about yourself? Go look at those before and after. If you ever start a diet or you want to hit the gym more frequently, yeah. look at that. And uh, I mean, good lord, one of my favorite. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah, but um, all right. Other things that happened last week uh, to, to keep it going with last week in feet. Duke beat UVA. Uh, kind of surprising. Obviously, Trey Jones did not play. But what really stood out in that game to me was the fact that Zion Williamson, who you know I, I'm against, I, I had a cake on top of a mountain at the beginning of the year, and I'm still standing on that mountain that I think he's overrated, even though it's getting lonely on the mountain, I'll tell you that. But Zion and R.J. Barrett combined for 57 of their 72 points. I mean, think about that. They literally scored every single point, with the exception of, what, 15 right there, Father? And they, they were able to beat UVA. That, that is... The, the breakup in that, the, the, you're looking, you're pulling up a pie chart and you're looking at Zion and Barrett. I mean, that's, they're the whole pie, baby. I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, you saying that you're still on top of that mountain of hating on Zion. You're like Preston Blake from Mr. Deeds. He's just dead at the top of the mountain. Like he's just fro- frozen to death. I, that's how I picture you. I mean, I you, you, may be, you may be up there, but you're dead. You're Thank dead you. in this conversation. Thank you for the comparison to Preston Blake because he was wicked good at doing stocks. He liked it when Emilio would change his socks. I could keep going, but Deeds, that's our wheelhouse right there. And I, you, you're, you're doing the finger point right now. You're doing the Reverend Al Sharpton. That's right. That's right. right. All right, yeah. but anyways, 57 of 72. So it got me thinking, Father. I'm thinking – when I rack my brain to think of other duos in college basketball that, you know, absent these two guys, there's literally going to be no points on the points column for your team. It's hard to come up with because a lot of times you, you Google great duos in college basketball and you're going to get, you know, all the two best players on all the great teams from the past 20 years. Awesome. You know, Akeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, uh, you know, Greg Oden and Mike Conley. Those teams for the most part, we're very good even without those two players. And it's not taken away from the, the team, but I'm talking about strictly two guys. Without these two guys, you, you can't even function on the court. And I'll start to think of a few examples. We just talked about Tennessee. Ernie Grunfeld and Bernard King, they did a freaking documentary about those guys. I don't know how good that Tennessee team would have been in the 80s without them. Who knows? 
But even to make it a little more relevant, if you keep going, one of the we played in the promo, TJ Sorrentine, Taylor Coppenrad. There's hey, no hey, hey, hold on. Jermaine Mopagila still had a nah, great back, play in that go game. Go back and crunch the numbers. Mopagila was putting up like six a game. I'm, I'm just saying in that particular game where we all know him from against Syracuse, Mopagila. Don't sell him short. I get what you're, what you're saying, though. But, the, I mean, Mopagila is not beating Syracuse. Torrentine and Coppenrath beat him. Little, little, little sip of Mopagila. Little splash. I'm fine with that. But there's no way they're in that game without Sorrentine and Coppenrath. There's no way they're in the tournament. There's no way they win more than two games without those two guys. They both, I mean, Sorrentine, they both average 24 and, you know, whatever. And then to get even more relevant beyond that, think back to this team. You think of Michael Beasley and Billy Walker on Kansas State. You remember those two guys? Of course I remember those two Doug guys. freshman. Billy Walker was coming off that torn ACL. They literally scored every single point for their team. Although Jacob Poland was on that team. I looked it up. Poland was a freshman who went on to be a Van Wilder house type candidate right there. But without Beasley and without Billy Walker, they were both averaging probably 20 each. I think Beasley was 26. Walker was closer to 18. But that's where I'm at with this. So that's what that performance from Zion and RJ Barrett was. I don't know where your boy Cam Reddish. You, you want to comment on that? I mean, you said that confidence shot that he hit in Florida State was going to really, you know, whip him into shape, and I'm not seeing it yet. Cam Reddish had a role to play on Saturday, and he's listening to a Hall of Fame coach, so I have no issues with what Cam Reddish is doing. Cam Reddish also broke Florida State, by the way. So that three, Florida State's lost like three of their last four or something, including losses to Pitt, which is terrible. So at the very least, Cam Reddish ended an entire team and Boston College. So at at the very least... Cam Reddish has completely ended another team's season. That being said, it got me thinking as well, churning the old the old grinds in my in my head about teams that are just so reliant on one or two players. I actually want to stick around with Kansas State because he mentioned Jacob Pullen, and I just feel like that's what Kansas State does. Jacob Pullen, I'm pretty sure, was the lone ranger on those teams when he was there. Denny Clemente, I don't know if they were there together, but if they were together, it was those two. Now I'm pretty sure it's just Dean Wade. He's preseason. Oh, Barry Brown. I'm watching the game right now. Barry Brown's tough as man, tougher than a shovel, man. This guy's Fine, that's two. Fine, two. <laughs> him, and, him and Dean Wade. So yeah. Kansas State quickly comes to mind, but another team that comes to mind, BYU. Jimmer Fredette and a little side of Brandon Davies, the guy who got kicked off for fucking too earlier. Uh for no, just fucking period. Maybe even co- drinking coffee. I don't know. But you can't ever diminish what Jimmer Fredette did for that BYU team. He walked into the McHale center in Tucson. I think he dropped like 50 some odd points. So Jimmer Fredette, that's the one that comes to my mind. Yeah. It's hard to argue with that simply because, you know, BYU, you know, we, we, we had the reference from uh, Riggs in the interview that you hear, but they've always had just like some 24 year old, you know, missionary come in and, you know, average 24 a game but they haven't been nearly as successful as they were with that byu team when jimmer had them up what were they seated that one year in three i think they were like a three seed gosh i love that team but anyways i just wanted to touch on you know hat tip to zion good performance you beat uva and you dominated but whatever real, quick, actually, on real yeah. quick when can we start just saying or completely say with confidence that Tony Bennett doesn't have the ball sack or the nut sack to win these games. I mean, no Trey Jones, you have a fully loaded roster. Cam Reddish stinks. You're right. I'm ready to say that you win that game. You have to win that game. You obviously, what, I, I think we've been saying that about Tony Bennett. We, we talked on this, with God, like a re, but I feel like every analyst, every talking head who are a bunch of hacks, but all of them are like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Don't don't get on Tony Bennett's back. He his resume speaks for itself. He doesn't come up clutch in big time games. I don't. I, I just don't get it. I, you're right. I, to quote, uh, you know, the guy I watched old school recently when Frank the Tank gives that perfect response uh, during the debate in the final, you know, in the final kind of competition to make sure they can keep their charter. Uh, Carville's response to Frank the Tank was simply. Uh, I had none. That answer was perfect. That's how you debate. All right. uh, Final topic in uh, last week in feet. I have to do it. 
I called it on the show last week. I told you. I, Father, look at me. I told you. I told you that Michigan was going down. They were going to lose to Wisconsin. I told you that Wisconsin has this inner aura to them where you can see it. You can see the organism of that team. You can see how they function. You can see the pulleys and levers. You can see how Hap is important. But they have the, the big-time shot ability surrounding Hap. And you knew. I knew. Not you. I knew that that was going to happen. I watched that game. I was at some hit brunch place. The TV was on mute. I was the degenerate huddled around the TV while all these millennials were doing the Fortnite dance left and right. Millennial. I'm very old right now. They they were, I'm not, I'm not trying to sound old. I'm trying to sound like a loser, but I guess that can be interchangeable here. I was drinking a mimosa though. I was doing mimosas. I was having a good time, but I was locked into that TV while people were doing the Fortnite dance around me, but it was a great win. I don't have a pick for you guys this week. That was, I'm going to rest on that one for a little, I'm going to do another victory lap, but take that. Yeah, no, that was a good call. I can't say anything about that. I was also at brunch drinking on mimosas, but of course I swear to God, the sports bars here in Arizona don't understand that they're sports bars. There's nothing more infuriating than when you're at a sports bar and they don't have a pulse on like the sports landscape throughout the day. So I'm sitting at the bar, four TVs, all black. No, no picture on the screen at all. So unfortunately I was getting updates from you, but that's a hell of a win for Wisconsin, a team that's been struggling like crazy. And obviously these big time upsets, when you beat a top five team, that not only can turn around your season, but it's also going to help in terms of seeding for uh, for first selection Sunday, right? So if they're in a spot where they're on the bubble, this win is going to get them in. If they're pretty comfortably in, this win is going to bump them up from potentially a seven to a five seed. So huge win for Wisconsin in the Kohl Center. It was. And just to kind of add one more thought here on you know, bugaboos with restaurants and establishments when it comes to sports. If you are a restaurant, and you're showing sports on your TV, and that TV is not in HD, you should lose your license. How do you not have an HD TV at this time and open yourself up to the public? I was watching on a non-HD TV, and I almost pulled my hair out. Well, let me ask you this. Would you rather watch a non-HD or not at all? Not at all. I'd rather have it not at all. I'd I think not, I'd, rather not too, yeah. I'd rather not see it. I'm so disgusted by that. Yeah. But anyways, that's all I got. Good, good recap there last week in Thiet. Let's move on to upcoming Thiet here. I'm actually going to be in Poly Pavilion at UCLA for the Arizona-UCLA game. Two just terrible teams. But prior to the season, this could have been a really good matchup because UCLA was ranked and Arizona, although unranked, that's always been a, a big-time rivalry here in the Pac-12. So I'm going to be in the building in Poly. I might have to grab some some footage for the for the show here. But I'm looking forward to taking my first steps in Poly. I've been to UCLA before for football games, and it's the most miserable fucking experience in my life because we have to go all the way out to the Rose Bowl, which is in Pasadena, and getting anywhere in Los Angeles is a pain in the ass. But when you have to Uber all the way to Pasadena and then Uber all the way back, it's just so brutal. And that's after watching a Chip Kelly team that's like – four and 10 or something like that. But I'm excited to finally go to Poly Pavilion. Hopefully it doesn't flood. That's a little joke for uh, UCLA after I think two or three years ago when the stadium flooded, but I'm looking for an Arizona victory here this weekend. So UCLA is, has lost two straight one to Oregon state and to their crosstown rivals at USC, Arizona lost to Oregon last week. Rebounded nicely against Oregon State at home. But uh, this is going to be a nice little game for me to catch in person. I'm a little upset no Steve Alford there so that I can taunt him. But maybe I'll just have to settle for Corey Alford, who spells it with a K like an asshole. Well, you know what you can do as a favor to one of your boys is you can scout out the kind of environment and send a report to head coach Eric Muscle Milk Muscleman, who I've now anointed as the successor at UCLA as their next coach. 
I think he's going to be the next coach. A few shows ago, we said it was going to be Jamie Dixon. I changed my opinion. I'm going with muscle milk. He's got the NBA ties. He's got the personality. He's got the excitement that he could bring there. And obviously he would be successful. Yeah. I don't want to do that because I think that would be a great hire for UCLA and in turn hurt Arizona, but that should be a good game upcoming here on Saturday here in Pauly. I'm hoping, Oh man, this just dawned on me. I know it's on ESPN too. Fingers crossed for Dave Pash and Bill Walton. Cause if I got Walton in my grasp, but sweet buns, I'm going to try and get a sound clip for this show. So, I mean, I, I feel like he would go on a good rant about theater and college basketball too. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be about theater at all. It could just be about quite literally anything that he wants to discuss. But and it would be the best content of the show. He's weird enough to try to make it into theatrical terms. Yeah. And he's got a big enough vocabulary. So looking forward to being in Pauly. Another big game on Saturday. Actually, I shouldn't lump this game in with Arizona UCLA. Arizona UCLA is not a big game at all. But NC State at Louisville. I'm pumped about this game because of the coaches, actually, not necessarily the players on the court. Kevin Keats, Chris Mack, two coaches that are finally getting their chance at big-time basketball schools. Kevin Keats, I think he came from University of North Carolina, Charlotte or Wilmington, maybe one of those schools. And he had, he had a pretty decent tournament in terms of coaching a couple of years back. So he's doing well with NC state has him ranked Chris Mack. Everyone remembers him from Xavier. I mean, Xavier just produces these coaches at the next level, right? Thad Mata to Ohio state, Sean Miller to Arizona. Now Chris Mack to Louisville. Chris Mack took over a complete mess fiasco from last year. So both of these teams now ranked. I had zero clue that Louisville was, was actually ranked coming into this week. And they deserve it. They have two great wins, actually, this season. One on the road at Carolina, where they completely dominated from beginning to end. And they also have a win against Michigan State. So NC State at Louisville, I'm not really looking at this game for the players on the court, but more so who can take that next step in terms of the coaching between Kevin Keats and Chris Mack? Well, you missed a uh, key connection between the two. Kevin Keats was actually an assistant coach at Louisville during that 2013 national title, um, which I mean, it's probably bittersweet for him because obviously that one got vacated because of Ricky Pease and, uh, you know, was a former player, Andre McGee and arguably Kevin Keats as well. Who knows how involved he was in the recruiting. I do know that he ended up with Dennis Smith jr. And a lot of people were kind of raising their no, eyebrows. Was God- I'm pretty sure that was Godfrey. You know what? I think you're right. I take that back. I take Godfrey it back. back yeah. Godfrey. Do you want to talk about a slimy guy? Jesus. I mean, anyone that puts that much grease in their hair, you know, it's a I mean, just the forehead sweat and everything that, yeah. Yeah, I, I like both the teams. I mean, obviously two guys to look out for in that game. Um, Braxton Beverly, sniper. Sniper on the court. And uh, another sniper on Louisville's team. You got to look out for this guy. He's going to be in the NBA. Nuora. I don't even know his first name. Nuora. Um, M-W-O-R-A or N-W-O-R-A. This guy, he's big. He has a phenomenal shooting stroke. He drops 20, 30, whenever he wants. Um but yeah, it should be a good game. Two well-coached teams, obviously in the ACC, you want to be able to go one-on-one every single week if you want to be around at the end of the year. Exactly. Last but not least here for upcoming feet, Big 12 SEC Challenge. This is one of my favorite inter-conference tournaments that they have. Um, very much looking forward to all of the games. Tennessee versus West Virginia, and if I'm not mistaken, that is a rematch of week one from college football this year. Is that correct? That is correct. I was in Charlotte for that game when we lost by about 30 points. Um, so hopefully we can return the favor by winning by about 40 points. I actually think that might be on the table because West Virginia is terrible and Tennessee's just beating the shit out of teams recently. So that's one game to look forward to if you're trying to exact revenge. Obviously, the big highlight game of the weekend and of this challenge is Kansas at Kentucky. Two blue blood, uh, two blue blood programs. Two legendary head coaches, crazy talent on the floor. But I'm going to take Kentucky in this game. Number one, they're at home at Rupp. But number two, I think they're actually somehow flying under the radar. They're ranked number eight. 
They have some, they've piled up some really good wins. Obviously they got blown out by Duke in the first game and Reed Travis has had his struggles, but despite all of that, they're still only, I think they only have three losses on the entire year. They went into Auburn and won a really gutty win victory. So I'm very much looking forward to this Kansas Kentucky game, obviously for the fanfare for both, uh, you know, the atmosphere and the coaches and the players on the court. Give me Kentucky in this game. Yeah, it should be a good one. Uh, I'll actually be in Lexington. I leave tomorrow morning and we're taping this on a Tuesday. I got some work crap to do. I'll be there. I won't be there for the game, but I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take in the environment. I'll take in the scene. I'll, I'll smell the dirt. I'll get a feel on the ground, boots on the ground, but not really on the ground. I will, I will get a feel and then I'll report back if I think that the, you know, the tide is you know, leaning a different way, but I, I'm with you having watched Kentucky and Kansas both this past week. I was definitely more impressed with Kentucky. Uh, as I talk right now, they're beating Mississippi state by 12. Um, and then last night, Kansas had a scrape one out against Iowa state, but uh, watch out for Kentucky. We've been, they yeah. haven't even had, they haven't even had their kid's speech yet. So you gotta, you gotta wait for the kid's speech. I don't think you, I don't think they need it just yet. They're, they're playing really well. Like oh, I said, they're the eighth ranked they, team. They it's, it's come. Yeah. Well, let's not crown them just yet because Auburn just lost to South Carolina. So maybe that win in Auburn isn't that. Wow. Did they really? They did. Jesus, Bruce, come on. So yeah, a lot of good basketball coming up highlighted by Kansas and Kentucky. Without further ado though, let's go ahead and get you guys to this interview with Bobby Regan, AKA Riggs, college basketball writer for Barstool Sports. Enjoy it. All right, we're now joined by Riggs, college basketball writer for Barstool Sports. Riggs, really appreciate you hopping on the program here. I want to get one thing confirmed. Uh, you're a Kentucky guy, right? You went to Kentucky. You're a Kentucky basketball fan. Yeah, I mean, I graduated from Kentucky, so yeah. I mean, I try to try to not be a fan as as hard as it is, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a Kentucky fan for all intents and purposes. Okay, cool. So the reason I'm asking that is I just wanted to set a quick baseline because did you ever imagine a world where Kentucky football and Murray State are going to have higher draft picks in the NFL and NBA draft than Kentucky basketball? Yeah, I mean, there's still a chance like Keldon Johnson goes somewhere in the top seven. So uh, who knows? But yeah, it's kind of crazy that as of right now, um, you know, uh, you're going to expect to see Josh Allen go top five and John Morant go top five and not a Kentucky basketball player. So it's definitely a uh, definitely a weird world right now. It's odd, man. It's it's really odd. I never uh, could have imagined an in-state team like Murray State producing somewhat a uh, higher draft pick, but. That leads me to another question. How the fuck did John Morant slip through so many cracks and end up at Murray State? So uh, I think Jeff Greer from The Athletic wrote all about it. I know somebody at The Athletic did. I'm pretty sure it was Jeff. And simply put, he was just, you know, under-recruited. He didn't really break out, even though he was playing on an AAU team with Zion at one point. And then he kind of broke out a little bit. And South Carolina offered him a scholarship kind of late. Um, But he, you know, Murray State was in on him early. And it's one of those where he just felt comfortable going there. And, and that happens. Like we hear about it all the time. Um, so, you know, it's a year ago, no one's saying this, right. It's just one of those like a blowout years. And it's like, Oh, wait a minute. How did he end up here? So it's not like he was a five-star recruit that ended up there. You know, he, uh, he was appropriately at a high school, you know, I guess kind of somewhat appropriately, ranked in terms of going to Murray state, but yeah, it's just one where someone's under recruited people get in on them late, but he holds, you know, loyalty to who was there early and where he's comfortable with. And he was always comfortable with Murray state. Yeah. I think my biggest gripe is that I want him to stop playing in high school gyms. Obviously that's what Murray state, the, the conference that they're in, but all these amazing highlights and, and clips that you're seeing are just with the shittiest videos. And obviously in high school gyms, I want to bring in my partner here as well. Shark, uh, you know, hop in whenever you have any, any questions first of all what's up Riggs? i'm sorry i'm late here what's going uh, on man no problem i wanted to you know you said something right there about not being a five-star recruit so i don't know if you guys touched on this in the beginning or not but you know i'm a tennessee fan obviously they're, they're ranked number one for the first time since i think it's 07 second time in the history of the program they don't have anyone that is a five-star recruit on their team obviously they're led by admiral and grant i want to know you know where you're coming from have you seen a team with kind of 
no stars, no elite players coming out of the high school level to actually go far and win it. Not only just a final four run, because I know you can pull up like a, a Butler team or something like that. But has this happened before? And what are your, 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 I guess, opinions related to Tennessee's chances in come March? I mean, 2016 Villanova. Jalen Brunson was the highest recruit. And that was a freshman. He was like 24. Other than that, it's not like they had a bunch of big names coming in. Um, you know, a lot of them were three-star guys, a couple four-star guys. So uh, it's kind of from a roster recruiting standpoint, similar to that. Um, obviously, they did have Jalen Brunson. But again, it's not like Jalen Brunson was a one and done or, or you know, uh, something along those lines. He was, you know, projected multi-year player in college. And he obviously was. Um, in yeah, but even March, then, I feel like a lot of those guys, I mean, you look at Mikel Bridges, you look at – I mean, Mikael Bridges wasn't a high, highly recruited guy. Yeah, he's a lottery pick, though. Turned into a lottery pick. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, he at least looks like an NBA player. Could you could you see Grant Williams playing his style in the NBA? I mean, yeah, he's a projected first round pick. Grant Williams? Yeah, both him and Admiral Schofield are projected first round picks right now. Yeah. So that'll happen. And I mean, this come from a Vol fan too, but I mean, well, I'm, I'm also just telling you what's going on right now. There, you have two projected first round picks. It's very similar to, to your statement about Mikhail Bridges. He chose Villanova over George Washington and Temple. It's not like he was a, a five star guy. He was a, I think, finished as a four star guy, but for the most part, it was a three star guy, local, and he literally grew up down the street from Villanova. That's how he ended up there. So it's one of those where. It's not that Villanova team had one five star guy, and it was Jalen Brunson, who was a freshman. Um, the roster makeup is very similar, where you have guys turning into NBA players. I mean, how many people thought Archie Diakno was going to be an NBA player? How many people thought Chefu was going to be? A, nobody thought Mikael Bridges was a lottery pick. Um, nobody thought Dante DiVincenzo was going to go in, you know, top twenty. Um, so that that makeup kind of looks familiar. Um, in terms of March, you know. They're good. Don't get me wrong. I don't know. I, I, I've, I've been kind of selling them as a, as a pick for a national champion. So, um, yeah, you're, you're reverse jinxing it. I know what you're doing <laughs> as a Kentucky guy. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's just more, I just don't, I'm not buying into them and to win six games. Uh, I know everyone say, well, look what they did it with Gonzaga and, and, you know, look how they're just dominating teams now. Well, it's like, well, they also just won by two at home against Alabama. So they're not immune to bad performances um, or one by three, but it's one of those like, yes, they have these NBA players in Schofield and Williams, but if you're second guessing them, the one constant, when you look at pro at, at teams that have won the championship, if they have had for sure NBA players, you know, whether they were recruited that way or developed that way, they've had multiple for sure player NBA players. The one team that everyone said that didn't was 2016 Villanova, and they ended up with six guys in the NBA. So, um, so you have to have that. I, I, you know, I know people look at like Kyle Alexander as a potential NBA guy, or you know, maybe Bowden or Bone get there. To, to me, they just they don't have they have great college players. I don't know how many like how many pros they have, and then what happens in a half court game when they're going up against Duke in the Final Four. So this actually dovetails pretty nicely with my next question. If I were to give you, and I think I know the answer to Tennessee, but if I were to give you Tennessee and Duke to win the national title or the field, who are you taking? I mean, I'm taking the field every time. That's uh, From a strictly value place, it's, it always makes sense to take the field. Um, it's a one-game situation. We've seen uh, Virginia lose to UMBC. I mean, shit's going to happen in that state tournament. It happens every year. So if you're giving me 66 teams to two, I'm going to take the 66 teams. That's fair. I want to shift focus real quick uh, from the SEC to the Big 12. Kansas lost a terrible game against West Virginia, and Texas Tech lost to Baylor. So I've said this a, a bunch of different times, especially on this program here, Riggs, that anytime you want to count out Kansas or pick someone else to win the Big 12, I always caution against it. Obviously, their record speaks for itself. But this so, or excuse me, this year more so than any, right? Dokes out. Texas Tech looks great. But this is what Big 12 teams not named Kansas do, right? When there's an opening, they just shit their pants, pee down their legs. West Virginia, I think, was in Lawrence two years ago. Maybe it was last year, and they were up eight with a minute to go and completely lost control of that game. I still am picking Kansas to win this Big 12. 
but I want to get your opinion on why the rest of these teams just cannot take advantage when uh, the opportunity is, is sitting there for them. I, I mean, again, you're, uh, you're talking about one game where how many times, you know, we, we see Kansas typically up like two games uh, uh, what, up until last year in, in conference. So it's not like, not like these teams have had a lot of chances, but Kansas have been there and, and while they do get the one and done, I mean, they're always the most talented team. They always have the most talent. They have self who is a good coach, obviously, but they have guys that, that are also, they have a good mix of the guys that are there for three years. You know, when you look at whether it's a Frank Mason, Devontae Graham, Svee, any of those guys. So they know what to expect when you go into Lubbock or when you go into uh, Austin or any of those places. Whereas, okay, now you're talking about a Texas tech team who, yeah, when you go to Kansas, you're typically the homecoming game. Like that was always what Texas Tech was until Beard got there. Yeah. So now, how do you adjust that to? Oh shit, we have a sellout with a home, you know, with the crowd all into it. We need to win this game. It's just a different feeling. And and one thing to remember is we're talking about kids. Uh, we're talking about guys eighteen to twenty two years old. College basketball gets dumb sometimes because. Kids make dumb mistakes. Like we're not talking about the NBA level where you're talking about top, you know, top-notch talent. You're talking about kids who are in college for a reason. Sans, you know, Sans five-star freshman, and it's just one of those things where it's a familiarity thing for Kansas. And again, the pressure does get to teams, and and I think we'll see it end eventually, obviously. But it's going to take kind of a special blend of of talent, you know, where you have that top-end talent to go with guys that have been there before you know someone like a texas tech from last year where hey okay we know what it takes now we've, we've been through this before maybe not this year but next year when it comes down to that game in lubbock we know what to expect that thunder eight timeout i'm so glad you just said the the kids line right there because that's a vintage calipari when when he's trying to rally the, the young team early in the season before he hits a stride come come march he drops it we're, we're dealing with a bunch of kids right now it's been a running joke amongst me and my my buddies for a while, but I mean, you're right. I mean, they, they are, they are kids to an extent and Calipari, that guy plays that angle better than anyone. And I'm looking forward to when the speech comes this year, because it definitely could have happened if they uh, lost that game against Auburn in the second half. I, I could have saw the kid's speech coming, but he's due. It'll be here. Yeah. I mean, maybe I, I, I look at that way entire across the country. It's the reason why Virginia lost in the lead eight to, to Syracuse a few years ago when the press came. Kids make dumb decisions. That's why presses work in college basketball. Going over your history of filling out a bracket, Riggs, right? I think all of us have that one pick that we're super proud of from about 10, 15 years ago. Hey, I chose this upset to happen, you know, Middle Tennessee State over Michigan State a couple years back. What's the one? The Final Four. That's me right there. Big Baby Davis to the Final Four. I still can't believe that LSU team made it all the way there. What's yours, Riggs? I picked Arizona to win it all in 97. Let's go. So probably, I'm an Arizona guy. I love that. Probably that I had my parents always laugh and say, you know, they always tell the story of how I had ball state in the sweet 16 and 90 when they got there. Um, Kentucky as the eight seed I had in the final four. But that was the Harrison brothers. Year. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good run. That was a good run. Oh man, no! That Arizona one in '97 is a good one, though. Yeah, yeah I love that Arizona team. With me. I absolutely love that Arizona team. Um, I, I still remember, and I still remember like where I was watching that game. You know, knowing if they won, I won the pool or whatever. So, uh, yeah, that '97 Arizona team is a soft spot in my heart. So I'm I'll assuming. Give you, oh, go ahead, Sue. I was just real quick now. I was going to say I'll give you a hat tip for for being neutral there because as a Kentucky guy, I think that Arizona team would piss me off, but. I mean, I didn't I grow up. I appreciate that. I didn't grow up a Kentucky fan. Like I became a Kentucky fan when I went there. I'm not from Kentucky or anything like that. So I was indifferent to them when when that happened. I was just going to ask something along the lines of, you know, I'm assuming you're like us. I I understand that you're full time with Barstool now, but when you worked in kind of the real world, were you the kind of guy on the Thursday Friday? Are you calling in sick for work? I'm, I'm assuming you're not going in, even in school when you're at Kentucky. You're not going to class the Thursday Friday that first week of March Madness. Yeah, I mean, I put in for PTO like every you know whenever I was at you know first available to I put it in for for that Thursday Friday. I mean, it's a uh, it's a must to not go into the office during that. I, I launched mine this morning, so I'm ready to rock and roll already now. But right, 
Yeah, uh, it's easily the best sports weekend of the entire year. So one more question I want to, to get to in terms of Kentucky Reeks. I'm going to list four Kentucky coaches, and what I want you to do is rank them from your least favorite to your quote-unquote favorite, right? So number one being your absolute least favorite, like, and number four being, okay, I can tolerate this person slash if you like them, you like them. So before I'm going to start, start in no particular order, Adolph Rupp, remember he's a racist, Rick Pitino, John Calipari, Billy Gillespie. Calipari, Pitino, Rupp, Gillespie. Gillespie I, I had a feeling, or I think everyone knew Gillespie was going to be number one uh, for, for that. What was it, a DUI, right? And just oh, I love Gillespie. He, was, yeah, uh, he led AC like Law, right, at A&M? Yep, he had AC Law at A&M, um, and then everyone, and then he was part of the recruiting. He was the main recruiting cl- or head coach that brought DeAndre Jordan to A&M because everyone thought he was going to eventually uh-huh. flip him to, to Kentucky, but he stuck, you know, stuck at A&M. Um, but yeah, AC Law, he was uh, he's the one that got him drafted by the Hawks. Ken, you're, you're a Knicks fan, also, right? Right. Yeah. So I understand this was probably a little bit before your time, but. Obviously, Patino left to coach the Knicks to go to Kentucky. How, how does that kind of, for someone that's got his foot in both fan bases, is that something that you, you don't really give a shit? Obviously, it was good that he left when when he did. Or yeah, I mean, Knicks I, fan, were you hurt? No, I mean, I just don't care about what like coaches or players do. I'm very indifferent to to like career decisions because yeah. they do it for a reason. I'm never one to be like, like I, I didn't care that Patino went to Louisville. Or like coach, I know like Kentucky fans. Some Kentucky fans like can't grasp why he would coach there. It's like, well, it would. It's a top ten job in the country. That's why he's there. Um, so I just don't give a shit what coaches do or what players do when they transfer. Or if they decommit and end up going somewhere else, like we all do it in in our lives. Why can't they do it just because they're basketball players or coaches? Yeah. Who are your all time favorite tournament players slash teams? Now I'm talking somewhat obscure names now they're not going to be obscure to us but avoid players like Kemba Walker and Mello those types of performances were some of your favorite tournament players or teams I mean that's a good question like I said that 97 Arizona team has a soft spot in my heart as a four seed um they're up there it'd be hard not to say that Florida Gulf Coast team yes uh, just because they I mean for a whole weekend, they're the ones that that absolutely just dominated, you know. And they're just super fun to watch. Um, they're probably up there. Man, I'm trying to think like like individual players that are that are obscure because like for me, it's like I like seeing just like good play. Like, I'm trying to think like back like when Ohio made a run, maybe like DJ Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, I don't know. I never really thought about, like, what, like, players, just because it's I, – I don't think of, like, favorite players who who made a run. I just think of, like, you know, the ones that everyone knows about, obviously, when you look at Steph to the lead eight and, yeah. and all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah like, like I said, that 97 Arizona team has a soft spot in my heart. We're big fans of kind of, like, the – Jerry McNamara's Omar Sam hands. Sam hands uh, a good one. Uh, for Well, like that wasn't a, he had one game. So yeah, it's that's one funny, yeah. I mean, then, okay. Let me, let me expand the question. Like just think of moments as well. It doesn't have to be a crazy streak or run. I mean, I'd go back to the Princeton team that pushed UCLA to the, to the buzzer. Like that's one that I, I know they didn't win it, but that's one of my favorite you know, favorite tournament highlights, Tyus Edney. Uh, I mean, coast to coast, obviously that one gets talked about all the time, but as a, as a point guard, shorter point guard, that that's one that always sticks out. Um, man, I'm trying to think like, yeah, obviously Farouk Amesh is one that will always pop up. Um, the balls on that kid taking that shot. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's the crazy thing there. Um, just a terrible shot. I mean, but like Northern Iowa in general, like their half court game with Texas. What was or, that guy's name? Oh, ben yeah. Jacobson, the coach. Was it Ben Jacobson? Yeah. And yeah. then, or if you look at like the ending to USC SMU with the goaltending, whether or not it was a goaltend, like 
to me, like that sticks out more than like an individual hitting a shot, like just like the batshit crazy endings. Who who won that game? Did did SMU or, or UCLA was the beneficiary of that, right? Uh, USC. Oh, sorry, USC. USC. Yeah, okay, yeah. I was thinking. Or no, yeah. was that UCLA? No, that was UCLA. That was I UCLA. thought that was UCLA. Yeah, it was UCLA. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I'm just trying to piece together items in the past that helped Steve Alford hold hold on to his job for as long as he did, and I think that was a contributing factor. Yep. I mean, it got him to a Sweet 16. Yeah. Uh, staying in the Pac-12, how many teams does the Pac-12 get? We've had this discussion. I'm curious to know your thoughts. I think they get two. Um, obviously, I think Washington gets in. I think Washington mm-hmm. wins. And then you could tell me Oregon or Arizona might get there. I Oregon, think Oregon State's not bad either, too, right? They just lost two straight in the desert. Yeah. yeah uh, but road ones, I don't know. Trace Tinkle will be player of the year. Yeah. Either that, that guy for Stanford. Uh, he's like a, he's a top 10 pick projected. Casey Ocala. That's the one. Um, yeah. I mean, Oregon state, like, I don't know. They just don't have any, they don't have a win in the non-conference to even like look at. No, Arizona, yeah. like at least Arizona beat Iowa state. I, yeah. As an Arizona fan going into this year, obviously I had to temper expectations, but Iowa State's a huge win. I never really expected them to actually pull off the win against Gonzaga and Maui, but they beat the shit out of them in the first half, and then they just ran out of gas, which is expected to happen. But right, right. I, I'm on record as saying that the Pack's only going to get one, and I think it's just going to be whoever wins the the conference tournament. I mean, you still got to. The problem is, you still got to get to 68. True. Yeah, they'll they'll be scraping the bottle of the barrel for when it comes back <laughs> to that. But uh, Reeves, any any team that you've been most surprised about this season, good or bad? Let's say a team that you had higher expectations for and they're just not meeting them, or a team that's overseeding exceeding expectations. I mean, in terms of exceeding expectations, I think you can look at a lot of like Big Twelve teams. Like Oklahoma is a lot better than I expected them to be. Iowa State, I was high on coming into the year, but I didn't think they'd look this good. Um, obviously, they will see tonight when they go to Kansas. If they can get that sweep, then I think, then I think we're talking about them in a completely different light. Um, I'm trying to think, like, who else would be kind of exceeding expectations? Or the flip side, team. Yeah, got- on the flip side, like Florida doesn't look as good as I thought they would. Um, they obviously the Pac-12. You know, I thought Washington was going to be a borderline top twenty-five team. They look awful. Oregon, like US, I thought USC had a chance to be a top twenty-five team. Obviously, they're battling injuries and suspensions and all that other crap. Yeah. Um, Florida State obviously doesn't look good right now with those back-to-back losses. So yeah, I'd probably go with those in terms of kind of my my surprises either way. Yeah, I think Duke actually might have broken Florida State. Because they may have, yeah. <laughs> Florida State should have beat Duke. You think you you can beat Pitt? And I think Jeff Cable's actually doing a pretty decent job, uh, considering how awful they were last yeah, year and under Stallings. Yeah, he's been. I mean, he's been phenomenal, but it's still a, it's still just a terrible loss. Yeah, awful. I agree. Yeah. Florida State went into Chestnut Hill, got pushed around yesterday too. So, yeah, and then I'm a BC fan as well. So weird combination, but. I'd say, I'd say so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you this because I mean, everyone always talks about guys that you've known when you look at them on TV, you're like, Holy shit, that guy's been there forever. And I, you know, I wrote this article for the website that kind of sponsors this podcast, uh, the barn burner. And I, I called them the van wilders and kind of a play on the Heisman house. There's a van wilder house where all the guys that have been around forever, they all live in this house yada, yada, yada. You got guys like Julius Hodge, Perry Ellis, you know, Carl Krauser, John Shire, McNamara, people like that. And last year, kind of the big name that I felt like deserved to go into the Van Wilder house was Javon Carter, West Virginia. And this year, there's really not a lot. I wanted to, you know, pick your brain, see if you can identify anyone where when you see them playing, you ask yourself, holy crap, that guy's still playing college ball. The only one I can think of this year would be Luke May. I don't know if you had any thoughts on it otherwise. Yeah. So I do a, how the hell are they still in college team every year? Same theme. Um, yep. Right. And then to me, you missed the one who's like the leader in the clubhouse for this. And that is Scott Martin, who 
I know everyone makes the Perry Ellis joke. Scott Martin was in college forever. Yeah. <laughs> like he played high school basketball with Robbie Hummel and was in college after. Oh my God. Um, so for me, like the how the hell are we still in college team? I had Makai Mason. Okay. Who, yeah. you want to talk, speaking of like, you know, moments in the NCAA tournament, how long ago yeah. did he, did he win? Um, Ethan Happ, he's been in college forever. Yeah. Happ was on my short list. It just, Wisconsin hasn't been very good during his four right. years, you know? Kayvon Allen from Florida. Yeah. Um, Nick Emery from BYU is like 26 yeah. years old. Oh, they, always, they always got one of those guys. Yep. <laughs> Phil Booth has been yep. around forever. That was my first team. My second team was Rex Fluger, who obviously is now hurt. So he's yeah. going to be back for another year. So already penciling him in for first team next year. Wait, um, hold on real quick. Was, was Fluger on that team that almost beat Kentucky in yeah. the Elite Eight? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That team. Holy with, shit! Between him, Maddie Farrell, you know Bonzi, Colson, all those guys. Um, Keyshawn Woods at Ohio State, uh, Jalen Adams at UConn. Yeah. Feel like he's been there forever. Adams has, and Eli Kane from DePaul. Okay, all right. Well, I'm glad you're thinking about him. But yeah, yeah. Actually, Makai Mason's a hell of a name drop because when I was watching Arizona Baylor earlier this year, I saw Makai Mason, and they didn't typically. When someone is is a huge name in the tournament for like a quick second, and a few years later they just keep bringing up the fact that he transferred from Yale or that he had this awesome moment, and I kept, but they never brought it up in the broadcast. So I just kept saying to myself, "Why does this name sound so familiar?" I was like, "Holy shit, it's this guy!" Right, right. I mean, we got to ask you this question because we bring it up to the people that we ask. But in a controlled environment, who do you think would sweat more? between Bruce Pearl and Buzz Williams? Oh, I, it's got to be Buzz. <laughs> I mean, Bruce sweats a lot, but, like, Buzz is changing shirts halfway through the first half. Yeah, he wore the polo last year just to get it under get it under control, but I don't know, man. Bruce, Bruce has got the experience, and when he can sweat through, you can get the pit stains on the blazer. That's next-level stuff right there, and he's not going to shy away from it either because he's going to wear the gray-colored suits and let, let you see it. But. Yeah, but he's in the South. Buzz Williams is doing this up at Marquette and, and Virginia Tech. That's <laughs> yeah. good. To hell with battle, I know that much. Yeah, that's for sure. I think we're giving Buzz too much credit also here by saying that he changed into a polo. I honestly think it was just a T-shirt, like a gym shirt. <laughs> Even, better. Even better. He did that for one game, I know for a fact. He was wearing a shirt, <laughs> literally a T-shirt. Well, he, he wears the three-piece suits now so he can kind of get the – you know the the torso sweat under control. So that's a good move from him. Right. Right. Yeah. And one more thing in terms of context about us, one of my, our all time favorite college basketball moves from a coaching perspective was when buzz was with Marquette and they beat West Virginia in Morgantown and he just danced to country roads. And the he whole, is, he's just so great. Like the, some of the stories when you think about, like when you go back and think about him from like that, that time and, and like just his journal and everything like that. Like yeah. he's such a fascinating dude that it's just, I need more of him. I'm with you. Hey man, I'm going to be in Lexington for two days this week. You got any recommendations on what, what I should do? I mean, I, I, I get asked this all the time and I never know. Cause it's like, I was there in college 15 years ago. So I was I've like, been there once too. I went to the bar right across the street from Rupp. That was, uh, you know, big blue Martini. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, that's just like a hotel bar, but like, I, I'm always confused. Like when I go back, like I'm terrible at giving picks for like where to go to Lexington, because when I go back, I'm now just like going back and reminiscing like my college bars, which are way too, I'm way too old for those now anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, go to Country Boy Brewing. That's a really good, really good beer place. I'd, I'd check them out. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a cool brewery. I'd go there. Um, the distillery district's pretty cool um, and a little older. But I honestly, just like go around, go around campus and just pop in different places because, at least in my sake, there's very few places that you can go wrong at. Awesome. I was in Lexington last year for a wedding, actually, and we stayed at a hotel that basically shared the uh, shared the, or was adjacent to Rupp Arena. Yeah, the Hilton. And, yeah, stayed there. Uh, we went to Darby Dan's farm or whatever it was. Saw a bunch of uh, horses, which was really neat. But uh, the night before the wedding, got very very shit faced, and uh, I got lost in Rupp Arena. <laughs> that place is huge, man. Okay, it's in a convention. Like it's weird because it's in like yeah. a, a convention center. It's 
Like I think Rep Rain is everything. I think it's wildly overrated. Um, like I hate how I hate how it's not kind of like a standalone thing. Like you don't know it's Rep Rain if you don't look at the sign. Yeah. All right, Reeks, we'll uh, we'll let you go on that. Really appreciate you stopping by and, and talking shop with us, man. Yeah, no problem, man. Time. Yep, have a good one. Take you care. All right, we want to thank Riggs again for hopping on the program. Really enjoyed chatting with him. I think my biggest takeaway or the thing that surprised me the surprised me the most was as a Kentucky guy, just calling Rupp overrated. <laughs> he didn't he didn't like Rupp Arena very much. So I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but you know, calling Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams two lock first round picks. I mean, I almost fell out of my chair when he said that. But I appreciate him. You know, adding gets two first round picks, man. You got to do backflips. Yeah, I, I appreciate him fluffing us up a bit, but I think that's a stretch. And Grant Williams is like six sure. foot four. My Alexa's talking back there, but um, yeah. So other than that, it was it was a good interview. I appreciate him taking the time. He clearly knows so much. He was going back to the nineties, ripping out names like they were. <laughs> it was impressive. Yeah, and his love for the ninety seven Arizona team. I was pleasantly surprised with that. Love that. And always trying to squeeze in as many shout-outs as possible. Let's get to some segments here to wrap up this program. Shark, who are you giving your hugs to? I got one hug to give. Again, we're, we're taping this on a Tuesday night. Last night was Big Monday, Super Monday, whatever the hell we call it. Iowa State-Kansas was actually a great game. Um, but one player for Iowa State was just a catastrophe out there. Lindell Wigginton, the best player on their team from last year. I mean, I think he might be the fifth best player on the team this year. I mean, you got Shayok transferring in. You got one of my favorite players in college basketball, uh, Talon Horton Tucker, who to steal a Rothstein in here, so much George Niang and Talon Horton Tucker. And George Niang is one of my favorite college basketball players of all time. But Lindell w- Wigginton, it was almost uncomfortable to watch. I mean, this guy was a stud recruit, five stars, randomly went to Iowa State. He's from Virginia. He went to Oak Hill. Remember when Oak Hill was relevant? Haven't heard a lot about Oak Hill in a while. But anyways, Wigginton, just painful. I, he, not only was he bricking shots, he was turning it over, dribbling off his foot, take, demanding the shot. I mean, Caleb Martin would never do this, but Wigginton, to his credit, was pushing himself forward. Um, it, it was tough. Did you watch the game, Father? Yeah, he was fucking awful. He was so bad. <laughs> did he get swatted at the rim too? He did. Boston. Yeah, oh he did. It, it, that was he was trying to like t- turn his woes. You know, I'm gonna get this one dunk. I'm gonna get back after this. And Diedrich just sent him, sent him back to Ames. I mean, it was it was a pure block too. Yeah, I think I think Wigginton needed that hug. I'm actually going to do a quick audible here for my hug. It was going to be for Chris Mack and Louisville, but I think I already touched upon them a little bit. Again, great job done here by Chris Mack and, and, and Louisville getting them ranked again. But I'm going to go ahead and give my hug this past week to DeAndre Hunter. Reason being is because he's clearly a first-round pick for the NBA, right? He's going to be an NBA player, no doubt about it. And when you walk into Cameron Indoor and you, he's playing for a really good team, a great team in Virginia, you walk into Cameron Indoor and you stare across the line and you see Zion, RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, all these guys that are going to go top five, top 10 for sure. And then you look at your team and you look at fucking Jack Salt, right? You look at this lanky white dude coming off the bench whose name is escaping me right now. It's the guy Zion absolutely threw down on him. You look at, Look, I, I love them. They're great college players, I guess. You know, Ty Jerome and, and Kyle Guy. Ty Jerome might might make it in the league, but if you're DeAndre Hunter and you're the only NBA guy on this on this team, you just say to yourself, "Shit, I wish I had a little bit more firepower. I wish I had not just a fringe NBA player, but a for sure other guy that's going to get drafted." Zion has the ability to look over at Trey Jones, Barrett, and and Reddish, right? Poor DeAndre Hunter, and he was at, he was making some sick shots. DeAndre Hunter was to keep him in the game down late. But again, when you have a guy like Jack Salt, who I love to death, and again, he's a good college player. Jack Salt is a body. He's five fouls, and he's there to be a deterrent. That's literally it. 
Duke has guys that can do all of that, plus contribute to the game in terms of points and assists. So I'm going to give my hug to DeAndre. What is it with you and Jack Salt? That's all you ever talk about. I just like his name. I mean, Kyle Guy, he's an NBA player. I hate to, I hate to burst your bubble, but Kyle Guy's going to play in the league. Is he getting drafted? Oh, I yeah. Don't... oh yeah. Kyle Guy's playing in the league. If we have to bring in our boy Latif, our, our boy, our UVA fan, we'll bring in Latif. But we got to figure out what's going on with you and your infatuation with Jack Salt because he, he's the only person you refuse here. Well, I think subconsciously it's because he looks exactly like Caleb Tarzuski, plays a little bit like him as well. So I love Caleb Tarzuski. He's the, I think he's like the all time, tied for all time wins at, at home for Arizona. But yeah, I do love Jack Salt because he's a great, he's a really good college pl- basketball player that you need down low, but DeAndre Hunter, man, he's a stud. And you can say what you want about Kyle guy, Ty Jerome, but it's not reddish, right? It's not Barrett. It's not Zion. And not every team, not every team can be that right. Duke's clearly head and shoulders above the rest of the competition, but shit, man, when you're trying to win a huge game on the road and Virginia has this, it's starting to build up this pedigree. You just kind of, I feel sorry for him. No, I, 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 I get I get your thesis. All right. If you, if this was a paper that you had to submit to me and I was your English teacher, I get the point of the paper. All right. I, I get it. But I'm just wondering why there's about 16 paragraphs written about Jack salt when it has nothing to do with Jack salt. That's all. That's my only point. Well, that's because I'm just trying to meet the page requirement. That's, that's the page requirement type stuff. That's when you, you know, you, you write a bunch of shit at the bottom of the paper and then you highlight it, put the text in white so that it meets the word requirement as well. But when you print it, you can't see it. Little nuggets, little nuggets for any high schoolers that are out there listening to the program. Right. Make the period a different size font. You know, you know how you know how to do it. That's all right. It. All right, guys. Really appreciate you taking the time to to listen and talk hoops with us. Yeah. Quick shout out to uh, our boy Chi, our Wake Forest guy, and our biggest fan Beignet. Beignet, I know you're listening. I appreciate it. Happy birthday, Chi. I'm wearing a Rudy Cienez, excuse me, Rudy Cienez three-quarter sleeve shirt in your honor. Yeah. For those that don't know, Beignet's a fucking dog. So I appreciate the dog's viewership. But, yes, cheese as well. And, actually, hug for Chi. Wake Forest defeated NC State. So good for him. Good win. But uh, with that, we'll close the curtains. <laughs> <laughs>